score at the end of three periods of play now. TD Garden, it is a tie game. UMass Lowell won, Merrimack won. This is Mike Macknick with John Leahy. UMass Lowell scoring in the final minute of play, just about 31 seconds to go. In fact, with the extra attacker, they get the goal to tie it up at 1-1. And as a result, we are going to over uh, overtime. It's the second consecutive uh, playoff overtime game here for the Warriors. Mike McMahon joins us here uh, from the Eagle Tribune, the MacReport.com, College Hockey Insider, College Hockey News, NeutralZone.net, um, probably the Boston Globe, New York Times, Washington Post. I'm not sure what CNN. Uh, what am I missing here, Mike? No, I think you hit them all. Yeah, I think you hit them all. All right. So, uh, what happened there in the final minute of the play on the uh, the game tying goal by the Riverhawks? Yeah, you know, usually I, I don't put a lot of stock in these little things that happen, but you know, Borgil loses a stick, and I think that was big because it looked like there right before the goal. You know, he was a little unsure. Do, do I pick it up? Do I not? He's trying to stay with the puck, and you know, and, and there was just a little bit of movement there. Where maybe you know, if he has a stick, does he get a stick in that shot? Probably not. But I just think for a goaltender, you're a little more comfortable when you have a stick in your hand. It's a little more normal, right? So maybe the movement would have been there. It was a tough play. He lost a stick almost right off the faceoff too. It was right at the beginning of the play. Uh, made a big save right before that too. Uh, it just looked like they were scrambling a little bit there, and you know, you thought that it was going to go well because Crozier did a really good job. Won the draw totally clean and they just couldn't get it clear. I mean that's really what it boiled down to without getting the puck out of the zone after winning the faceoff it allowed Bold to set up a little bit and then you know they ended up getting the tying goal. Yeah I thought with Borgia losing the stick he wasn't quite set the way he normally would have been yeah. to be able to make a save maybe he does stop that one if not he's trying to like I said trying to figure out do I get the stick do I not and as a result he's not quite in the position he would have been normally. Yeah and that's where like I don't think the stick made a difference like not having the stick did not make the difference in whether or not he made the save it was just like you said he's not he's not set in the same position he would have normally been set in. You know, sometimes it's something as simple, and I know I've had goalies talk about this too, where it, it's just a comfortable, it's a comfortable thing. Where So you, you set your hands in the spot where your hands normally are because you, you can, you, you got, it sticks the guy. You, you know, that, that's how you can kind of set your hands. I, I think it just, it, it can make you feel uncomfortable when you don't have it in, in your hand. Uh, so it ends up, I mean, we'll, of course we'll see how this game ends up turning out, but uh, an unbelievable individual effort by Jordan Seifert, which wasn't his only such effort in that we have seen in the game tonight because he tried that wraparound that just ended up hitting the side of the net earlier in the period. This guy just has no, I mean, <laughs> it's... it's uh, Whatever gear you want to talk about, high gear, whatever, he has nothing, he has no low gear. I mean, the only way he knows how to play this game is, is 100%, if you want to say 110, whatever it is. And, uh, and and that's what allowed him to score the goal, which put them ahead. Heart and soul type player. Yeah, 100%. You know, and I think that's, excuse me, it, you know, when you know what, he, what he's gone through when he's been here, you know, missing a whole year, almost missing two full years, basically, and sticking around. I go back to thinking about the, the COVID year when there were no fans in the building, and I would cover games in a press box, not a press box, one of the luxury suites behind the net, behind where the students usually sit in Lawler. And, you know, he was on crutches, I think, at the time. And alone in the building was the loudest one. Like, there was only, like, you know, it was the, the scratches were the only ones in the building. Not, <laughs> there was no fans in there. Uh, and, and you would hear him yelling and screaming. And I said it to Scott at the time. I said, you know, it's a kid in his position. Sometimes they don't want to be around the rank. And he was like, no, he, he's been a huge part of what we're doing. He's around every day. He wants to be here. He just bleeds it. So, like, just to see him get that moment, it would have been nice to see it hold up as the winner, uh, but but to see him score that goal, I thought it was appropriate because he's, he's been just the heart and soul since he's been here. You know, whether it's been him, right, whether it's been Mick Mesner, whether it's been Ryan Liebold, I mean, the three of those guys seem like they've made one big play after another here. Uh, 
I, I texted you guys trying to figure out, you know, what do we call these guys? They should have a name or something like that. It seems like, you know, every special line deserves a name. I just hear everybody call it the line. We should just call yeah. it the line. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of funny. I was thinking about this earlier in the week. I think, I think we actually talked about it. Uh, you think of the last time they were here in this position, in this building, and they had the stud. You know, they had Stefan Nikosta. Well, they, they have the offensive kind of catalyst and stud now, too, and Alex Jeffries. Uh, and, and not that, you know, not that Nikosta wasn't getting the job done at that time or that Jeffries isn't now, but uh, it, it was, they weren't the line that started. You know, it was it was that third line that Carter Matson, Elliot Sheen, Ryan Flanagan, they kind of set the tone throughout that, that entire play. Uh, they started every game down the stretch. They started every game in the playoffs. And, and, and Scott Bork has done the same thing with this line and for the same reasons. Like, they set the tone for us. They're going to go out and work hard in the first shift of the game, you know, from the puck drop. And that's going to set the tone for us. Uh, and, I, and not only did they start the game, I mean, I think they've started every period, really, for like the last month. So, yeah. uh, and I think there's a reason for that because they set the tone. And it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's funny how, how what's old is new again and things are kind of cyclical. But, like, it's, it's been the same story. It's, it's they have that line in the bottom six it's really been the driver in what has been a playoff run so far I, I thought we're talking with Mike McMahon by the way it's 1-1 Merrimack and UMass Lowell after the third period we're going to head to overtime here in the second hockey semifinal at the TD Garden BU won the first over first game in over also went to overtime 2-1 over Providence a come from behind win in fact over Providence BU won so BU is one team and they are sitting uh, I'm sure resting in a hotel waiting to see uh, who ends up winning this game. Um, but Mike, we go back to the, the third period in this one. So second period uh, we talked about, you know, this is the time that those guys, all of the guys with experience that they have, the Jordan Seiferts that you just mentioned, you know, and everything that they bring to it. This is the time for them to, to really step up and lead the way in the third period. They did that and were able to get the lead, but then the team was not able to close the deal, not able to finish the job. What What's being talked about in the third, in, in the intermission here, you know, down in the locker room as they get ready for this overtime here, they're now back in the same position they were the start of the third period, and now they know for certain. I mean, at that point, it looked like in a 0-0 game. Next goal might win the game. It almost turned out that way. Now we know it's the case. Yeah. Next goal wins the game. How do they now put that whatever happened in the final minute that caused them to not be able to uh, be on their way back to the hotel already with the W? What do they do here to get ready for the overtime to turn that around? You know, I think a lot of it is you, you lean on last week. You know, you were in the same situation a week ago. You were able to find a way to get through it in the, with the same stipulations, really. I mean, their season was on the line a week ago. They lose that game, they're done. Uh, and, and the same thing here. You know, realistic. I mean, North, North Dakota wins that game. We don't know. They, they could have a slim chance, you know. But still, your season's basically on the line. And, and I think you got to lean on that experience. And I think that's important because, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier in the week, but they don't, for all the experience they have in terms of, like, seniors and grad students, not a lot of playoff experience, you know, because you think back to two years ago, they got wiped out because of COVID. You know, the year before that, the years before that, they weren't in the playoffs at all. <laughs> they were eliminating teams, and Merrimack was near the bottom of the standings. So, uh, and even the grad transfers that have come in, like, you know, Holy Cross never had a long playoff run. RIT did a little bit, you know, when Calvary was there, but nobody really had a long playoff run 
Um, it was kind of like they've got a lot of experience, but not a lot of playoff experience. Uh, how about Devin a little bit last night? How about Devin with UMass? So he wasn't he seeing was playing. Wasn't playing that much. Yeah, he wasn't playing down the stretch last year. So uh, you know, I don't think you know you really get a lot of guys that were kind of in high pressure playoff situations for one of the first times. Not maybe not the first time, but one of the first times on a stage this big. Like I'm sure it happened in juniors, but on a stage this big, they found a way to get through it. You know, I, I don't know what the message was then. It sounded like it was a lot of like just let's take it slow, take it one shift at a time, make sure we're responsible defensively, don't make any mistakes, and they ended up getting the job done, and I, I, I've got to feel like the message is going to be a lot the same. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you get the one goal last week, one goal in 86 minutes, one goal here in 60 minutes so far, you've got to be able to get more pucks in the net, as simple as that. I mean, we can look at, say, Benson played great last week for BC, and he did. We can say Griggles is playing well tonight for Lowell, and he is, but still, it comes down to it, if you're going to go somewhere, you got to score more than one goal a night. You do, and, and you know, I think it's also, it's indicative of playoff hockey. Like, you look at you look at the scores right now. I was just talking to Ryan Lambert from Elite Prospects before I come over here. Uh, there's been 18 periods played among the games tonight so far. Around the country. Around the country. There's been nine goals. Like, it's just like, it feels like every playoff game this year has been like this. You look at the games last weekend, uh, you know, Lowell was in a 2 nothing game. And, and I think there may have been an empty netter scored in that, so that may have essentially been a one nothing game, too. Uh, it seems like every game... Oh, Lowell and UConn? Lowell, well, they scored two in the first, and then they gave up the uh, six-on-five goal in the third. Oh, okay, okay. I thought that was... A, 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 you know what it was? The last intermission, we were talking about a team that got outshot widely, a wide margin of one, it was Lowell. Yeah. It was 43-17. Uh, but yeah, it's just it seems like these games are one nothing, two one games almost exclusively. You know, with with a couple of exceptions across the country, uh, it's it just I don't know what it is. You know, I, I think a big part of it is teams take less risks in the playoffs. You know, they're really responsible defensively. They don't want to be they don't want to give up a goal, especially in a scenario like this where it can end your season. Uh, and Lowell kind of plays that way all the time. <laughs> you know, so even more so, I, I think I don't know. I, I I hate to say it, maybe I'm wrong. We could we will see. They could the goal can happen 30 seconds in and I'm way up. It feels like with the way this game is developed and the way all the games have developed tonight, it seems like we could be here for a while. But we'll see. All right, thanks, Mike. We certainly appreciate your time. Uh, we'll talk to you at the end of the first overtime. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, our score at the end of three periods of play. It's Merrimack 1, UMass Lowell 1. Next goal wins this game and may decide the future of Merrimack's season. Again, it is 1-1 after three. Back with more after this. This is Warrior Hockey.